um, welcome to the City Council formal meeting on July 7th, 7 p.m. And we're happy to see um, that everybody made it back from the work session uh, from our short break. And we are going to start with a roll call, please. Fergus. Here. Mims. Here. Salee. Here. Taylor. Here. Teague. Here. Thomas. Here. Weiner. Here. All right. Well, welcome again. And we're going to start with item um, numbers two through seven. And staff does recommend removing items number 6C, 6D, 6E for separate consideration. Um, there will be a staff presentation during that time. So could I get a motion to approve consent calendar as amended, removing items 6C, 6D, 6E for separate consideration? So moved. Weiner. Second by Thomas. All right, would anyone from the public like to discuss this topic? And I also wanted to point out for the public that you can raise your hand if you would like to address um, this topic and I will call on you. Also, if you're on the phone, um, you can press star nine to raise your hand on the phone and I'll call on you. Seeing no one, um, Council discussion. Roll call, please. Fergus. Yes. Mims. Yes. Salee. Yes. Taylor. Yes. Teague. Yes. Thomas. Yes. Weiner. Yes. Motion passes seven to zero. Item number six C. Amend Hines Road Urban Renewal Plan for Climate Change Projects. Resolution determining the necessity of and setting dates of a consultation and public hearing on a proposed amendment number two to the Hines Road Urban Renewal Plan in Iowa City, Iowa. Could I get a motion to approve? So moved, Fergus. Second, ma'am. All right. And we're going to get staff presentation. I think we're going to get it all at once. 6C, 6D, and 6E from Wendy Ford. Hi, I'm Wendy Ford, Economic Development Coordinator. And um, this is uh, this and the next two items are amendments to three of our industrial urban renewal areas, Hines Road, Scott 6, and Sycamore and First Avenue. These amendments will allow the city to enter into agreements with businesses and industrial users to provide economic development assistance for projects that improve the energy efficiency of businesses and industrial uh, users located within them. The goal is to reduce the carbon emissions required to power their operations and help the city achieve our 45% reduction in carbon emissions by 2030. This is important because industrial users account for 27% of Iowa City's carbon emissions and commercial users account for another 20%. 
A couple of steps are involved in getting this going. The first, this, the resolution of necessity. The second is a taxing consultation that is held with both the schools and the county. That's set for July 17th. And um, finally, a public hearing on August 4th. For a little historic perspective, you well know that um, the city has been working on its climate action efforts since 2007 when the mayor signed the U.S. Mayor's Climate Protection Agreement. Been, there have been several um, actions since then. Um, one of the more recent ones has been that in last year, council increased the carbon emissions reduction targets. They also declared a climate crisis, and they requested a report to accelerate the city's identified climate actions. That report, the 2020 Accelerating Climate Actions Report, includes a buildings and incentives section, which includes the following item. Launch a TIF-funded climate action incentive program aimed at reducing industrial uh, energy consumption. So to encourage industry to make the sizable investment required to improve energy efficiency, companies will be able to apply for economic development assistance for en eligible energy efficiency improvements. Upfront costs are significant, but companies that make improvements will begin to see an immediate return and reduction of energy costs. And over time, the cumulative reduction in carbon emissions required to operate the business will be better for all. So how would the program work? Well, you know that tax increment is derived from the difference between value in the year we first certify a council-approved TIF project and the current value. The TIF increment is taxes paid by property owners in these industrial areas, which could be used for matching grants on qualified industrial energy efficiency improvements. And how it would work is our local industries would apply for funds for a project. Those, that application would be, vetted, would be vetted by industry professionals. And then we would enter into a development agreement with council for each of the projects going forward. And those kinds of projects could be, but wouldn't necessarily be limited to um, energy reduction or energy efficiency uh, uh, programs. Um, renewables, uh, say the electrification of um, what is fed by currently gas, uh, natural gas, uh, and also site improvements. Certain site improvements could work as well. So I wanted to share with you my screen um, to give you an idea of what we're, uh, what we're looking at. Can you see that yet? Is it yeah. sharing? Yes. Must be sharing. Okay. Um, <clears throat> there we go. Whoa. Um, okay. So this is a slide of all of the, um, the TIF uh, districts in Iowa City. And you can see over on the right, um, there are three arrows, one pointing to the first one pointing to the Sycamore and First Avenue, the second to the Heinz Road and the last one to the Scott Six area. And I just thought I'd show this big slide and then zoom in next to this one, uh, which maybe uh, we'll put it in a little closer perspective for you with the streets that um, you know help you visualize where these things are. So this is that strip of industrial areas in the 
south and east between the railroad tracks and Highway 6. And um, Hines Road, uh, Hines Road has a, a significant increment in it now. That's the middle one, the pink one. Um, with about $21 million worth of new value, um, which creates about $640,000 a year in available TIF increment for us. We haven't been using that, but um, given our, um, our prerogative to put this program together, we could use that $640,000. And in fact, there are four years left in this TIF district before it expires. Um, which is why we've put a maximum project amount for the Heinz Road. I think Wendy has frozen. I'll, I'll, I'll do my best to pinch it, Mayor. Um, I don't have the, the specific dollar increments in front, but uh, I think the summary for Council is at this point, um, you're looking at three of these five industrial um, uh, uh, areas to include in the uh, in this program. The reason the middle ones aren't is simply because there's no increment to work with there. And generally, energy efficiency improvements don't increase your property value. So we don't feel like there's going to be real opportunities in, in these two. Um, uh, but there will be in, in two, uh, in, in those other three. So. Um, what we're asking you today is just to begin the process of amending the urban renewal areas. You are not committing any city dollars. All those commitments come further down the road um, once, you, uh, once we have specific agreements with businesses together. So this really just enables us to start having conversations and you, along with the Climate uh, Action uh, Commission, uh, will be kept abreast as we make progress on this uh, priority in our Climate Action Plan. Welcome back, Wendy. Good old freezing Zoom. <laughs> Thanks. Sorry about that. Hope it didn't catch the goofy face. <laughs> All right. Any questions for staff? Public discussion? Council discussion? Um, it looked like there were different periods left in the in the in the TIF period for those for those three different areas. That's right. Yes. Um, could you talk just a little bit about that and what the possibilities are there? Sure. Um, Heinz Road uh, has four years left and it generates about $640,000 a year in TIF increment. So um, the maximum we figure we could uh, be able to use from that district in those four years is about $2.5 million. Similarly, uh, the Scott 6 district has about $43 million worth of new taxable value in it, increment that is, and it generates about $1.3 million a year. But there's only two years left on the Scott 6, uh, on the Scott, until the Scott 6 sunsets, um, which is why we put $2.7 million in for the maximum use of TIF in, in that amendment. And then finally, the Sycamore and First Avenue uh, one has about $14.8 million in it, an in increment, and that generates about $440,000 a year. 
but there's only one fiscal year left to be able to do that. So that's why that one is limited at 400 and I think we put 25,000. Thanks. Any other comments? Hearing none, roll call, please. Mims? Yes. Salee? Yes. Taylor? Yes. Teague? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Weiner? Yes. Fergus? Yes. Item passes seven to zero. Item number six D, amend Scott six urban renewal plan for climate change projects. Resolution determining the necessity of and setting dates of a consultation and public hearing on a proposed amendment number two to the urban renewal plan for the Scott Six urban renewal area in city of Iowa City, Iowa. Can I get a motion to approve? So moved, Nims. Second. Father. Public discussion. Council discussion. Roll call, please. Salee? Yes. Taylor? Yes. Teague? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Weiner? Yes. Fergus? Yes. Mims? Yes. Motion passes seven to zero. Item 6E, amend Sycamore and First Avenue Urban Renewal Area for Climate Change Projects. Resolution determining the necessity of and setting dates of a consultation and public hearing on a proposed amendment number three to the Sycamore and First Avenue Urban Renewal Plan in the city of Iowa City, Iowa. Can I get a motion to approve? So move, Taylor. Second, okay. Weiner. Moved by Taylor, seconded by Weiner. Public discussion, anyone like to address this topic? Seeing there is no one, council discussion? Roll call, please. Salee? Yes. Taylor? Yes. Teague? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Weiner? Yes. Fergus? Yes. Mims? Yes. Motion passes seven to zero. Item number eight, this is a time for community comment. And we ask anyone that would like to address this topic um, or anyone that would like to address any topic that's not on our uh, agenda, you are welcome to come now and speak. If you wish to speak, you can raise your hand and I'll call you by your name. Um, and at the bottom of your screen, you'll see a little hand raise. If you're on the phone, you can press star nine I am seeing no one. We're going to move on to item. Oh, I do see. Yes, we have Templeton Hyatt. Temple Hyatt. Hi, Mayor T. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Hi, thanks so much. Um, I have a couple of things I'd like to comment on, and I'm not sure where you will take um, public comments, but one of the items I wanted to comment on is um, item 14. So and, would you? And, yep, that's going to be on our formal agenda. So we'll have a space 
where you'll be able to address council at that time. Okay. Um, and then also wanted to share um, um, some comments about the, the Black Lives Matter efforts. Yes, that is not on our agenda, so you can do that. And I um, should have stated since uh, we're going to limit it to five minutes. Okay, sure. Um, I am representing uh, Moms Demand Action, and our Moms Demand Action volunteers here in Iowa City and nationally uh, are active participants in the efforts to reduce gun violence in our communities, particularly for black and brown people who are disproportionately killed by gun violence. Uh, and I just wanted to share with the council that we are willing to be part of these community discussions. Uh, I did hear earlier in your work group um, or in your work session that there are four work groups. Um, I would like to learn more about those groups and, and see how we can be part of those discussions. Um, I personally heard from many people in my community who have been traumatized by their interactions with police. Um, and for them, police violence is gun violence. Thank you for your comments. Anyone Thank else you. like to address council? We have Liz O'Hara. Welcome, Liz. We can't hear you yet. I don't know that I see a sound option for you. Um, I think what we might do is allow Liz an opportunity later since Zoom, Zoom is having a little challenge here, getting her connected. Is there anyone else that would like to address council during a, uh, open comment, community comment period? Okay, Liz, can you try to speak now? I don't see any mic for Liz. I think what we'll do is we'll continue with our meeting and if council is in agreement that, um, all right, I see a mic. Now, Liz, can you unmute your mic? And now let's see if we can hear you. We still can't hear you. What I might suggest is you sign out and sign back in. That's my solution to solving Zoom issues. <laughs> we'll let you speak when you come back. Um, if there's not anyone else that want to address council, then if we're in agreement, we'll move on to the next agenda item and then we'll allow Liz O'Hara an opportunity to talk. I'm seeing some head shaking, okay. We will move on to item number nine, uh, planning and zoning matters. 9A, rezoning 1335 Highway 1 West, ordinance conditionally rezoning approximately 53, uh, .53 acres of land located at 1335 Highway 1 West from intensive commercial to um, CL1. Uh, motion to, could I get a motion to pass and adopt? So moved, Mims. Mm -hmm. Second, Father. All right. 
council discussion. And first, uh, is there anyone that would like to address this topic from the public? Seeing there are none, council discussion? Roll call, please. Taylor? Yes. Teague? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Weiner? Yes. Fergus? Yes. Mims? Yes. Shalee? Yes. Motion passes seven to zero. I do see Liz O'Hare back on, and I think we're gonna give it another try. So if you can raise your hand. All right. And then let's see if we can't hear you this time. I think I might hear you. Can I hear something rough, rustling? I don't think that fixed it. I am so sorry. Yeah. Um, it might be better if we have you call into the number and just call on your cell phone and then raise your hand. Um, is uh, Kelly, uh, our city clerk, can you send Liz a n the number to call, please? We'll try. Thank you. All right, we'll move on to item number 10. Asphalt resurfacing in 2020. Resolution approving project manual and estimate of cost for the construction of the asphalt resurfacing 2020 project, establishing amount of bid security to accompany each bid, directing city clerk to post notices to bidders and fixing time and place for receipts of bids. I'm gonna open the public hearing. Staff presentation. Yeah, good evening, Mayor and uh, City Council. Uh, Scott Silver's Assistant City Engineer. I just have a, a short presentation here for you. Let's see if I can share my screen. All right, I assume everybody can see that? Yes. All right, we'll get started. All right, so the Asphalt Servicing 2020 project that is before you tonight is a part of the city's CIP annual pavement rehabilitation program. This project generally includes asphalt resurfacing, full depth patching, and removal and replacement of non-ADA compliant pedestrian curb ramps. In consultation with the draft pavement management plan, which we are planning to bring to you for review and approval this fall, the following streets were selected for this year's resurfacing. Uh, North Gilbert Street from Church Street to Market Street, Bloomington Street from Gilbert, or excuse me, from Dubuque Street to Dodge Street, South Dodge Street from Burlington Street to Bowery Street, Muscatine Avenue from Court Street to Second Avenue, Hollywood Boulevard from Taylor Drive to Sycamore Street, um, the Benton Street and Miller Avenue intersection. And then lastly, but not least, though, uh, we're planning to chip seal Taft Avenue from American Legion Road to 
Herbert Hoover Highway and Camp Cardinal Road from Camp Cardinal Boulevard to just uh, north of Eagle Place. Um, the design process for the project for this project included review of the bicycle master plan to determine which of the street corridors included within the project have planned bicycle facilities. The master plan pr proposes the addition of dedicated on-street bike lanes on both Dodge Street and Muscatine Avenue. As a part of this project, Dodge Street between uh, Burlington and Bowery will be converted to two-way traffic and a southbound on-street buffer bike lane will be added. Also, the section of Dodge Street between Bowery and Kirkwood will be converted from three from four lane to three lanes with the addition of both northbound and southbound on-street bike lanes. In regards to the plan, dedicated bike lanes on Muscatine, on-street bike lanes will be added as a part of this project from Burlington Street to Iowa Avenue. Uh, conversely, given the high traffic volumes and the limited existing pavement width, on-street bike lanes cannot be safely accommodated on Muscatine Avenue from Iowa Avenue to Second Avenue. With this being the case, uh, shame, uh, shared lane markings, or otherwise known as sharrows, originally included in the project for the section, and then subsequently removed as recommended by the Bicycle Advisory Committee. Uh, with that, I would like to turn over to Kent Ralston, who's going to uh, give us some background information on the project coordination that occurred um, on the Dodge Street bike lanes and Muscatine Avenue bike lanes. Yeah, thanks, Scott. Good evening, Mayor and Council. Um, I'm Kent Ralston, the Transportation Planner for the City. Uh, as Scott noted, uh, he did a nice job just uh, overviewing the improvements from the Bike Master Plan that are included in the resurfacing project. Uh, I just wanted to take a quick minute to remind you of how we sort of arrived at these conclusions. Uh, with respect to the Dodge Street bike lanes that Scott had mentioned, uh, city staff held a public open house back in August of 2019 to discuss the addition of buffered bike lanes both on Dodge Street as well as Governor Streets between Burlington and Bowery uh, with the public, each of which are recommended improvements per the adopted Iowa City Bicycle Master Plan. Uh, city staff presented a list of alternatives and comments collected at the open house uh, to city council back in September of 2019. And at that time, the council selected the removal of on-street parking on South Dodge uh, to install the buffered bike lane as a preferred alternative, as well as installing signage and pavement markings on Governor, uh, rather than removing parking on that section of Governor and installing uh, bike lanes in that corridor. Next slide, please. Thank you. Uh, with respect to the Muscatine Avenue bike lanes, uh, city staff met with the Bicycle Advisory Committee uh, on June 25th of this year to discuss the bike facilities on Muscatine Avenue between Iowa Avenue and First Avenue generally. And although the Iowa City Bicycle Master Plan recommends the addition of bike lanes on those sections, uh, as Scott mentioned, city staff evaluated the corridor and recommended bike lanes not be added uh, on the southern portion, uh, basically between Burlington and First Avenue uh, because of the relatively high traffic volumes uh, the fact that it's a bus route and the fact that we be that we would be only offering uh, the minimum lane width and the minimum uh, bike lane width as well. So the minimum travel lane width as well as the minimum bike lane width. The Bicycle Advisory Committee agreed with, sa with staff's recommendation and recommended improving bike facilities 
uh, on alternative routes as a better option. So staff is intending to prioritize uh, the addition of wayfinding signage and pavement markings and any other things we can do to make bicycling more uh, inviting on Sheridan Avenue, 7th Avenue, uh, as well as Summit Street, uh, again, as alternative and parallel routes. Uh, what you see there on your slide, uh, you won't be able to read the text, of course, it's too small, uh, but what you see are the either existing or proposed bike lanes from the bike master plan in blue, and what's in yellow are the essentially bikeways where we would be adding wayfinding signage uh, with the potential pavement markings and, and, again, other things we can do to make bicycling more accommodating. Uh, it's a little hard to see there in the slide, uh, but essentially the only diagonal street there that you see in blue is Muscatine. And what you see there with Summit, Sheridan, and 7th End is sort of a, a nice box that surrounds uh, Muscatine and really provides those uh, alternative routes. And again, uh, we shared that with the Bicycle Advisor Committee, um, and they generally agreed with that proposal. And uh, with that, I'll turn it over to Scott to finish up the presentation, and I'll, of course, be around for for any questions that the council might have. I guess before, I have one more slide, but before we move on to that last slide, I guess I did wanna mention that um, with recent correspondence with the Bicycle Advisory Committee, um, they had requested the addition of a pedestrian refuge island at the, on Muscatine at the, uh, at the trail crossing. And so that's something that staff is evaluating. And if it, if it seems like it's a feasible option, we will add it to, um, to the project. In terms of the estimated construction costs, uh, it's roughly $2,150,000. Um, as far as the schedule goes, we're uh, having obviously having the public hearing tonight. Um, we're opening bids on July 30th. Um, we'll award it the August 4th council meeting, and then construction will start uh, shortly thereafter, later August, and then finish up in November. And with that, um, Kent and I would like to, or can take any questions you may have. Hearing no questions. All right, you all get off easy tonight. All right. With there, <clears throat> um, so then public discussion. Is there anyone from the public that would like to discuss item 10? Hearing none, I'm gonna close the public hearing. Can I get a motion to approve? So move, Saleh. Second, Mims. Council discussion. Well, Roll this call. is. I'm oh, sorry. Let me. Uh, <laughs> I have a few comments. Um, first of all, the the streets that I'm familiar with uh, on this list, I'm really happy to see that they're on the list uh, because some of them are in really poor condition. Uh, so this is, this is good news. Um, I, I did have one, I didn't have a chance. To, I, I, I'm not too quick on the mute on mute here, but on, um, North Gilbert, the intersection at market street, uh, has a tendency to flood in a rainstorm. So I don't know, um, if that's something that staff has identified, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've uh, raised it in, in prior meetings of one sort or another. Um, but if that's something that can be addressed as a part of this project, 
uh, it is an area where the there's standing water um, that occurs at that intersection. Uh, otherwise, um, I'm pleased to see the um, the changes to the pedestrian, uh, the the bicycle accommodations on Muscatine. I think in the staff report it had talked about uh, the Sharrows, and I I cannot envision myself anyway riding uh, on Muscatine on a Sharrow. And the the other streets that uh, were suggested by the advisory committee are very pleasant streets to ride on. So I'm I'm really pleased to see that that change was made. And the, the one outstanding issue then for me is Muscatine itself. I mean, unfortunately, there are some constraints with putting in bicycle lanes on Muscatine because of the existing curb lip, uh, the dimension between the curbs. Uh, however, uh, it's a wide street uh, for two lanes of traffic. And so, you know, it's, I believe they're probably roughly 15 feet each, which is Compared to a freeway lane width, which is 12 feet, you can see why it might uh, encourage speeding. Uh, so the the idea of uh, pedestrian refuge islands, I think, is a useful strategy to at least improve pedestrian safety uh, where such crossings um, are needed. Um, so I, I think that would also be an improvement uh, moving forward with safety on Muscatine. In regards to your your uh, your thought on the your question on the drainage at the intersection of Gilbert and uh, Market, we did we did evaluate that and we we identified that there are some drainage issues there, and so we are adding storm sewer to that intersection to help to help that situation. Any other comments? Aaron Nunn, roll call, please. Teague. Yes. Thomas. Yes. Weiner. Yes. Fergus. Yes. Mims. Yes. Salih. Yes. Taylor. Yes. Motion passes seven to zero. Can I get a motion to accept correspondence? Second, Mims. Was that moved by Mayor Pro Tem? All right, Salih. Yep. And seconded by uh, Councilor Mims. Roll call, please. Thomas? Yes. Weiner? Yes. Fergus? Yes. Mims? Yes. Tilly? Yes. Taylor? Yes. Teague? Yes. Motion passes seven to zero. I do see that our one caller is there, and I'm going to uh, think, I think that might be Liz O'Hare. Is that you, Liz? Uh, can you hear me, Mayor Teague? There is an echo, but I think if you turned off your computer, that the echo will go away. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't know how to turn off the sound. Oh, there we go. You may have to. Okay. Okay. Is this okay? Um, there's still an echo. I think you have to turn off the computer totally. Oh, okay. Zoom. <laughs> Thank you for your patience with me. 
Uh, are you still getting feedback? No, we're not. Thank you. And you have up okay. to five minutes, three to five minutes, please. Oh, well, I won't take nearly that long. I only wanted to thank you very much um, for your your sincere and very diligent response to um, the issue of systemic racism that the nation is facing and that we're also facing in Iowa City. I read the, the communications from people to the council talking about how you had uh, caved to the terrorists. And uh, I just want to say that many of the very sensible measures that you have um, taken up in the Resolution 159, they've been talked about for, for many years. I retired uh, five years ago, but prior to that, I worked on issues related to mental health uh, system redesign. And um, one of the major topics there was the misuse of uh, law enforcement resources to deal with mental health issues. And I was so happy to see that the city of Iowa City is talking about deploying appropriately um, uh, other resources, um, unarmed professionals, to deal with situations that we, we talked about. We heard um, uh, the police themselves talk about how inappropriate it was to try to um, be the ones to respond to the person talking to himself on a park bench in, in the middle of the night and get that person to the emergency room. Um, and I think you're talking about moving in a different direction, using resources to get people to the help they need. And I just want to thank you very much for the constructive work that you're doing. Thank you, Liz. I'm happy you were able to join us. Thank you for your patience. I really appreciate your efforts to bring me into the discussion. Yes, yes. All right, thank you. We will move on to item number 11, simple misdemeanor fines, ordinance amending Title I and Title Administration Chapter 4, entitled General Pen Penalty Chapter 4, entitled Alcoholic Beverages Chapter 5, entitled Prohibitions and Restrictions, Entitled 8, Entitled Police Regulations, Chapter 5, Entitled Miscellaneous Offenses to Increase the Fines for Unscheduled, Simple Meaners, Simple Misdemeanors, Paulas, and Hate Crimes. First consideration, can I get a motion to approve? So moved, ma'am. Second, minor. And do we have a staff presentation on this? Mayor, I'm going to give you just the, the, the highlights here. Um, so just as a reminder, under um, Iowa law, cities only have the authority to um, create and prosecute simple misdemeanors, um, simple misdemeanor crimes. And the, the fines that can be um, levied for those offenses is set by the state code. The, the Senate file 457 did a lot of things, but one of the things it did was change the minimums and maximums for simple misdemeanors um, from 65 as a minimum and 625 as a maximum to 105 as a minimum and 855 um, as a maximum. In the city code, we have basically two types of of simple misdemeanors. We have a simple misdemeanor where we specify the fine um, and we have a simple misdemeanor that simply defaults uh, to the fine 
to the minimum or be between the minimum and maximum as, um, as decided by the judge. Um, so we needed to change that provision to coincide with the, with the state code. Uh, for instance, the judge could no longer do a fine of $65 because the minimum is now $105. Um, so we made that change. We also, um, during the discussion about the, the local hate crime um, ordinance, which provided a jail penalty for uh, harassment done uh, because of a protected class, there was a decision made during those discussions to set set the fine at the maximum. And so we have changed, this ordinance does change that, increases that fine to the new maximum, which is $855. And in addition, um, we typically take the position that if a fine is set, a specific fine is set for a simple misdemeanor under the state code, the city code needs to mirror that fine. And this Senate file changed the first offense Paula, possession of alcohol under the legal age to um, increased it from $200 to $260. So we made that change as well. I can answer any questions. Yeah, I have a quick question, Eleanor. Is, is it always standard or is it necessary for us to write the city code with a dollar amount in it? Or could we just reference like the state minimum, the state maximum, whatever, so that every time they made a change, we don't have to make a change to our code? Or can you explain that to me? Yeah, I, I think it's just a transparency issue. So someone doesn't have to go find okay. in the state code. And, if, if it, and that would be a really good thing to do. It, they haven't, this is the first time I think in 25 years that I can remember them changing those amounts. Oh, okay, okay, thank you. Any other questions for Eleanor? Is there anyone from the public that would like to address this topic? If so, please raise your hand. And if you're on the phone, press star six. Seeing no one, council discussion. Roll call, please. Weiner? Yes. Burgess? Yes. Mims? Yes. Salee? Yes. Taylor? Yes. Teague? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Motion passes seven to zero. Item 12, library parking. Ordinance amending title nine entitled motor vehicles and traffic. Chapter four entitled parking regulations to facilitate library curbside service. This is second consideration, but staff requests expedited action. I move that the rule requiring the ordinances must be considered and voted on for passage at two council meetings prior to the meeting at which it is to be finally passed be suspended, that the second consideration and vote be waived and that the ordinance be voted on for final passage at this time. Second, Taylor. All right. Is there anyone in the public that would like to address this topic? If so, please raise your hand. And if you're on the phone, press star nine. Seeing no one, council discussion. Roll call, please. 
Fergus? Yes. Mims? Yes. Salee? Yes. Taylor? Yes. Teague? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Weiner? Yes. Motion passes seven to zero. Move final, move final consideration at this time. Second, minor. Okay. Any uh, public discussion? Again, press raise your hand or star nine. Council discussion. Roll call, please. Mims? Yes. Salee? Yes. Taylor? Yes. Teague? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Weiner? Yes. Burgess? Yes. Motion passes seven to zero. Item number 13, parking fee credit during COVID-19. Resolution authorizing staff to credit per parking permit holders and those with parking agreements with the city of Iowa City for the period in which hourly parking facility fees were suspended during the COVID-19 pandemic. Can I get a motion to approve? So moved. Second, Saleh. Moved by Mim, seconded by Saleh. And we have Darian. Are you gonna present? Sure. Good evening, Mayor and Council. I have uh, just an update for you on our parking operations since COVID-19 began from late March to approximately mid-May in an effort to really help reduce the spread of COVID-19 and help support essential workers. Our normal par parking operations were temporarily suspended or significantly altered, um, in, which included not charging for hourly fees in our parking facilities. Uh, normal parking operations resumed on May 18th in response to the reopening of downtown businesses. So the resolution you see before you tonight would authorize staff to issue approximately $254,000 in credit from the parking fund and the transit fund to our permit holders and to our hotel um, parking agreement holders with the city during the period that the general public wasn't charged for hourly parking. Approximately 189,000 of that would come from the parking fund while approximately 600 and excuse me, 65,000 would come from the transit fund those proposed credits are split between two funds as the parking proceeds from the Court Street Transportation Center are federally designated for transit use only. That was a transit, uh, Federal Transit Administration partnership in building that facility. To give you some perspective on what that credit uh, looks like in terms of the fund balances, the parking fund balance currently is approximately 2.5 million. However, we anticipate paying approximately 600,000 um, in the upcoming weeks for the Augusta Place parking facility, which would bring the balance to approximately uh, 1.9 million. Parking fund revenues are beginning to increase again after the businesses began reopening downtown. Um, for example, our preliminary figures of, from June indicate that the expenses total approximately 268,000 while the revenues from June uh, total 333,000 for a net surplus of 65,000. Uh, that's very positive because the numbers look very different in April and May, as you might imagine. Um, in those months, we operated at a net loss of 328000 and 183000 respectively. Now, in terms of the transit fund, uh, the transit balance, transit fund balance is approximately $1.7 today, and we are 
expecting to receive within a few weeks approximately 1.7 million in additional dollars. And this is our annual federal transit operating funds, um, which would equate to a forecasted balance of approximately 3.4 million. And during May, Iowa City was also allocated um, emergency funding from the federal government through the CARES Act of $5.1 million to help us keep transit running, um, get essential workers to where they need to go um, during the pandemic, and also to help recover from that pandemic. So that's some additional funding that we, we weren't expecting and, and that we're extremely happy is here and that will certainly help um, to keep the fund afloat. Uh, the parking credit amount for each customer was calculated by taking 56 days, which, which was the amount of days we were not charging our facilities, times the average daily cost of the parking permit or agreement. Um, upon approval, the credits would be applied to the customer's counts in July. And when they're invoiced for their next uh, permit, which is either quarterly or annually, depending on um, the length of their permit, they'll be notified of the credit and they would be billed for the remaining balance. So that's how they would get that, that credit. Um, for, for parking during COVID when, when parking was free for the general public. And uh, in summary, the issuance of this parking was, uh, this parking credit, excuse me, will help just ensure that the parking fees are more equitably assessed to all parking customers. All right, any questions? Questions for Darian? I have one related to uh, the credit. There's gonna be credit to the permit holders, but what if someone didn't renew their permit? So this, this uh, the calculation was based on all of our active credit, our active permit holders. So if we wish to extend that to anybody who may have canceled their permit and you know we it happens at the end of the year we have people who leave town for example at the end of school years we could certainly evaluate um expanding the program to those who don't have active permits okay okay anyone else questions just a quick clarification on the, the source of the funds that are going to be um, for this credit. You know, when we were talking in our work session about COVID relief and the different opportunities that the city can provide, um, maybe just a quick clarification of like the source of this money and what it can be used for. And we had other requests for funding that if they didn't fit into parking or transit, like these funds couldn't be applied to that. Is that, is that right? Or can you just kind of explain that? Are you asking for a clarification on whether the CARES Act funds could be used for other purposes, or are you asking if there are other avenues from which we can credit? Just uh, no, these funds that we receive that we're allocating from the parking fund and the transit fund couldn't go out the door for non-parking or transit uses. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, to, to be a little bit um, more direct, I think, in where you're going, if if we were to look at rent relief and utility relief, these funds here would not would not fund those efforts. You, you we couldn't use parking funds to to provide rent relief. Uh, these are enterprise funds, so they're basically ran as a self-sustaining business. The the money that we take in 
from our parking operations at our meters and our decks used to pay our expenses for those same meters and decks and the staff that go along with them. So um, you don't you don't need to worry about these funds taking away from your ability to fund more critical needs in the community, such as rent relief. Thank you, Jeff. Along that line, could they be used, for example, for transit subsidies for people yeah. who to to get them to work? Is that is that a legitimate use for some of these? There is a, a uh, $65,000 of this uh, uh, credit program um, would come from the transit budget. Um, and that is because one of those decks, uh, the Court Street Transportation Center was federally funded and, and through that agreement, we were obligated to use the proceeds for transit. Um, those funds could technically be repurposed um, that is a, a situation in which we, you know, you'd, you'd have to carve out permit holders in one deck if you wanted to not, not provide credit for, for that, you know, it's just, I guess it's bad luck if you have a, if you have a permit in, in that deck. Um, what is uh, nice though, is with the CARES Act allocation of 5.1 million, um, we do have some flexibility in the transit funds to consider transit subsidies. And I assume that those conversations will will come up later this summer and, and into the early fall as we look at the redesign of our transit system. And one of the one of the options uh, council was interested in exploring was fare free, whether that's system wide or for specific uh, uh, groups based on some eligibility criteria. Criteria. So um, the, the 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 short answer is yes. That 65 could be repurposed uh, for a different uh, a different transit subsidy. Um, but we do have great flexibility with the CARES Act funds to do that out without those 65,000. Thanks, I was actually meant to ask about the fund as a whole, including the CARES Act, so thank you. I do have a question related to third party um, type payments. So I assume that some businesses actually may um, purchase permits themselves and then potentially they could um, extend that cost on to their employees or to other people at either the entire cost or a fraction of the cost. And also the hotels, they charge um, residents or visitors, guests that stay in the hotel. Do we know, do we have any provisions for refunding those individuals at all through this process? Yeah, that's, a, that's a, it's a good point. So we would rely, so the permits are either purchased by individuals or they're often purchased by businesses. Um, sometimes we have information about the personal uh, use of that permit um, and oftentimes we don't. A lot of times the businesses just purchase them. So we would rely on the credit being redistributed from the employer who collects the money from their employee or the permit and then pays us on their behalf, we would rely on them to get that money um, to reimburse uh, their own employees whom they deal with the financial end um, with their employee themselves. So if that makes sense. So we do have some that are people have come to us and we have sold them a permit directly. And then we have many businesses um, which have bought uh, permits on behalf of their employees. So really the refund would have to go flow from the, from the business who purchased them back to that employee. I wonder if we wouldn't consider some uh, type of condition for the refund 
in that third party type situation where um, we can do a um, take them at their word that they'll do it, but at least having writing a commitment to refund. I know that the hotel charges that may have been collected is probably going to be hard for the parking. And and for me personally, I know that the hotels have suffered, so I, I wouldn't deal with that so much um, as being one of the stipulations. But at least if if we know that there's an employee that have kind of bought into this, uh, we certainly want to ensure that those funds are, ret are returned to that employee. And we can certainly yeah. encourage that through the communications, uh, especially to our, to our business um, permit holders. Uh, in terms of, you're correct, in terms of the, the parking agreements with the hotels, through our conversations with the hotel managers um, throughout you know, COVID-19, they weren't getting a lot of um, usage for their validation program. They pay sort of a set amount based on a excuse me, contractual agreement with the city. So the reimbursement would be for that contractual agreement and the actual usage that they saw from people staying in the hotels. Uh, it, was, it was, from what I understand from our conversations, it was very, very minimum. So there wouldn't be a lot of um, and, and, and of course the parking facilities were open. So they're really, so the people who are out in terms of those agreements really are the hotels who have that agreement with us. So they would, they would be the ones who would receive that reimbursement from the city. Okay. Any other questions for staff? Public discussion, if you have a, uh, if you would like to address this topic, raise your hand. I see one Sarah Barron and followed by Galaxy SB. I'm not sure who that is, but we'll, ha we'll have Sarah Barron first. Thank you, Mayor. Three to five minutes, you know how it goes. All right, <laughs> let me, all right. So um, uh, I, I have to comment on this issue because we are asking for relief from the city for so many other expenses incurred by our most vulnerable residents. I really appreciate the clarification offered by Councillor Burgess and City Manager Fruin about this being an enterprise fund and so um, the funds can't be applied in other areas. Um, I, you know, I'll tell you a personal story. Um, which girl applied for, um, paid for a travel credit card in February right before COVID hit? This one right here, bad choice. Um, a lot of us made economic choices not knowing what was gonna happen with the pandemic. Um, and some of us were able to get refunds for things and, and other things we can't. Um, I just, when we're looking at the issue of equity, um, my house could pay that amount even though I'm not gonna get the return from it. There are many families that cannot say the same. Um, and so even if it's offered um, as an opportunity to people who have the means um, to donate the money that they've already paid towards some type of COVID recovery effort that's related to parking and transportation, um, or if we allow some other structure that recognizes that equity really means um, from each according to their means and not that everyone gets the exact same treatment. Um, I think continuing to look at city policy um, and allocation of COVID money requires us to look not at um, giving everyone the same, but really helping the individuals who need it most. Um, and so I encourage you to consider that on this issue and really every other funding decision that you come across um, in the months to come. Thanks. Thank you, Sarah. 
So Galaxy SB, we're going to have you identify with your first and last name, please. Hi, this is Lynn Silverstein. Welcome, Lynn. Thank you. You have, you have three to Thank five you. minutes. Yes. Okay, I'll make this quick. Um, I did address the letter to the council, so thank you, Mayor Teagan Council, for reading my letter. I know it was lengthy, but it was definitely from the heart. Um, I am an employee. Um, I am one of those that really needs the help. Um, I'm an employee of, there are only three of us in this business. It's a family-owned business, and it doesn't get much smaller than that. Uh, we did have other employees. Uh, my voice is shaking because it is very... Um, it's just very difficult. So um, with that being said, uh, we are currently running Mama's Deli. There are two of us that are running it. My mom does the books. So therefore, it is just the three of us. We have had it for over 10 years. And uh, regarding the parking situation, that's why I'm talking right now. Um, we went ahead and paid it ahead of time, right before they decided to open up free to everyone else, which I think that's pretty darn, pretty darn awesome thing to do. However, when you say people that, that need it the most, um, we do have bills that keep coming in. Rent keeps coming in. Mediacom, the food bills. We've thrown away thousands of dollars of food. There's no credit for that. You just throw it away because you can't serve it to the public. So I'm just hoping for a fair shake here. I've asked for a credit. Um, I'm really hoping to get that. I've been giving money to the parking ramp we have for several years, over 10 years. Um, and it's a very important ramp to have. I so appreciate the sign outside the front on Washington Street that allows people to stop by and uh, pick up their food for all of the businesses along Washington Street and, and just a couple blocks away. So I'm so thankful for that. But I just hope that you can find it in your heart to honor that. Um, again, you were what someone else, I'm just, I'm hoping for that credit for that, uh, for the parking. And um, I really want to stay in business and it's very difficult to pay all of the bills that keep coming in and uh, I want to keep the door open. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else like to address this topic? Seeing no one, council discussion. Roll call, please. Oh, we're, I'm sorry, Mayor Pro Tem, were you? I just, I don't know, but I just want to say, are we crediting it for the people who was using it or the people, I don't just understand this, the people who was using it, they pay for it, but they never used it, or they pay for it and they used it, or both? That's a good question. So it would be both users. Anyone who had an active permits um, during, during uh, I would say late March through mid-May, uh, it's people who are using it or people who weren't using it. I think the requests that we're getting from the community are the fact that they're, they were paying for something that there was no charge for the general public to use during a specified time frame. Yeah, because some people used it for free because they're paying hourly but the people who was paying it monthly 
are the people in wizards they are use it or they don't use it that the people who are affected because they paid ahead of time even though the hourly people we allow them to use it for free that is correct okay any other comments i'll go slower <laughs> hearing none roll call please Salee? yes taylor yes teague yes thomas yes weiner yes fergus yes mims yes motion passes seven to zero item number 14 Rescission of weapons ban, resolution rescinding, resolution number 11-55, which prohibits firearms and weapons on city property and city buses to comply with house file 2502. Could I get a, a motion to approve? Move by Saleh. Second, Mims. Staff presentation on this. I'm going to address this, uh, Mayor. Um, so House File 2502, which has been signed by the governor, preempts the ability of cities to regulate um, the, the possession of firearms on our own property. We it was uh, this is the second time the legislature has tried to do this, and they accomplished it this time. Um, so. We are recommending repeal of the resolution that, as you know, um, prohibited firearms in our facilities, on our buses, uh, and, and on other city property. Oh, and I should mention, um, there's one exception in the in the um, in the law if for buildings or physical structures. The city could choose, if it wanted to, to prohibit firearms within those buildings or physical structures. But it would be, if it did so, it would be required to have a screening mechanism in place and an armed guard. Any questions for Eleanor? The one question I have is related to the latter that you just mentioned. Is that requirement to have um, the armed guard and a screening mechanism continuous, or is it, or can you have it intermittent as you deemed necessary? I, I think you have to have it at those times that you're prohibiting firearms in the building. So it doesn't have to be continuous, in other words. Well. For instance, let's say you wanted to um, prohibit firearms in City Hall during council meetings, then you would have, my reading of the, of the law is that you would have to have during that period of time and before and after when people are coming into the building for that purpose, you would have to have the screening mechanism and you'd have to have an armed guard. Is there ever a time where, let's say we have one big event and we wanted someone, maybe it was at the rec center, mm -hmm. and um, it's just once, could could that be allowed? Yes, I think that's a possibility. Okay. All right. Any other questions for Eleanor? 
Is there anyone from the public that would like to address this topic? And we have Temple. Welcome, three to five minutes. Thank you. Um, HF2502 was and continues to be opposed by every town for gun safety and other groups across the state. The only group that supported the measure was an extreme group of gun owners that don't represent the majority of Iowans. We do not want to repeal or replace local policies that help keep us safe from the presence of firearms where the public gathers. Council members do not auto approve this because it will mean a lawsuit. Please think about the impact repealing our city ordinance will have on our community. I served in the Gulf War as a member of the Army Military Police. I understand the training that is needed to be proficient with a firearm. Here in Iowa, no proficiency is required to obtain a permit to carry, only an online training class. Think about the consequences of a child locating a loaded firearm in an unattended purse or backpack inside the public library. Allowing more guns in public spaces will not make us safer. So please, I implore you to vote no to rescind this ordinance, even if it means a lawsuit. We must stand up to this, um, combine with other cities and, and somehow find a way to declare this unconstitutional or whatever all the legal terms mean. It will not make us safer. Thank you. Would anyone else like to address this topic? Seeing no one, council discussion. I admit when I first saw this, it, it kind of scared me uh, just at the thought of just anybody willy nilly being able to carry a gun wherever they wanted to. So I think Temple gave a uh, thank you for that discussion. So I think uh, she gave a very good uh, argument for the fact. I, I don't know. I guess we'd maybe have to get some guidance from Eleanor on that, whether uh, it would be in, in uh Good faith to, to uh, deny this uh, resolution. El Eleanor, do you have thoughts on that? I, I, I could not advise that. What's going to happen if we don't approve it? There is a provision in the bill that allows somebody who's adversely affected by by something that violates the bill, um, meaning if prohibited from bringing a gun in the building and that's concealed or otherwise, um, they can sue for damages. And the, the, the big kicker is that we would have to pay if they were successful. And I think it's more likely than not that they would be, we would have to pay their attorney's fees and those can be fairly significant. Thank you, Eleanor. I do think it's important that we acknowledge that the, the way that this law is set up, it isn't just a matter of, you know, we would be waiting for Des Moines to say, no, I'm sorry, we preempted that. The fact that there is the opportunity for any individual to sue the city and that we would be liable for their damages and their attorney's fees if they prevail, 
um, is, is really significant when, when we think about the broader context, um, cities and state actors have a lot of immunity, right? That's part of what we've been talking about when we're looking at, um, our, our law enforcement. And so for the, for the legislature to, um, enact a, and, and the governor to, um, to sign this law that provides that private action against cities for this purpose is, I mean, I thought that was kind of remarkable. And so I'm really, I, I am very concerned about that liability and I think it would be significant. It's not just a matter of, um, you know, again, Des Moines saying, Hey, you, you went against what, what our, um, you know, kind of what the preemption issue was. Um, I do think it's important though, that the city be willing to, to send a message and let our residents understand that, while we may not be legally able to prohibit firearms and other weapons in public buildings, um, that they are not welcome, that, that we are not encouraging people to bring their weapons and, and their firearms. And I just, you know, I wanted to make that statement on the record because the fact that we may have to take down the signs saying you're not um, allowed to have a firearm on our public bus or in the library. Um, I think the, the, as Temple very helpfully let us know and reinforce what I think a lot of us know, um, the majority of Iowans are for gun safety and that means reasonable regulation. Um, and, and so just, I, I don't think the firearms are welcome in the places where they were prohibited up until July 1st. I would agree with Laura. But I, I'm just, you know, really disappointed in the state uh, for this legislation. And as as the city attorney has said, and, and Councillor Burgess, it's almost um, some punitive uh, pieces added to it to make sure that cities such as Iowa City rescind this. Um, and it certainly, uh, from my perspective, um, does not make us a safer community at all by doing this. And I, I really feel bad that we have to do this, but I think the liability potential, uh, which is what they put in here on purpose, uh, forces us to do. Um, you know, this may or may not be the place to say it, but I would say, you know, the election in November matters. Um, and this is just one indication of why it matters so much. Laura, I really understand what you, you, you said, but the people who normally listen to our encouragement when we say we don't encourage you to bring this, are not the no, people normally do this stuff. You know, I guess the people who don't like that the way the city has prohibited bringing gun to the city facilities are the ones gonna like this law and most likely they don't listen to our encouragement. Uh, as Susan said, I'm really disappointed too by this law, but you know, I don't know what to do, but I, I really don't um, support this at all. It is a horror of a law. It does not make us safer. It does not make our children safer. I mean, I know that there are there is concealed carry and there's open carry, and, and I'm sure there have been I imagine there have been weapons in the buildings when, when we didn't know it because of concealed carry. What this does is, um, is open up for open carry and for someone essentially blatantly saying, this is my right now and this is what I'm going to do. And, and, and essentially 
even bringing a weapon into a, a, a city council meeting to show us that they have that right. Um, I do not, I personally do not believe that's what the second amendment is about at all. And I do not believe that, that this law and what the state legislature has done comes anywhere near making us safer. I think it, um, it creates situations that can really imperil us. I think one of the uh, things that I would be interested in learning in the future at some point is um, something related to intimidation. Like if someone is open carry in to intimidate, what does the law say there? Um, and that's something I can touch uh, base with Eleanor just to get her thoughts on that um, at a different time. This is very sad. So I'm, I, I hate guns personally. Um, I, I'm not a gun person at all. Um, this is unfortunate. Um, not sure what else to say, but it's unfortunate. I, anyone that honestly brings a gun, um, open carry, people probably bring it currently concealed. We wouldn't know, but Anyone that would bring it open carry, I think that's where the concern is, uh, at least for me in this one. Um, you know, I don't want to put everybody in a box to say that they would come for a specific reason, but when you know children are around, I would think that um, there would be certain things that you wouldn't do in public. So at least for this, I hate that I have to vote on it. Um, that we're that this is before us and that uh, Des Moines put us in the situation and would not allow our current um, resolution to be in place. Um, I am going to vote for this, but it is with a great heavy heart that I'm going to vote because of the really the legal ramifications that we would have to go through. And we have other things to really uh, put our energy on. Um, so Hey, that this is before us tonight. Mayor, if I could, just, just a reminder, as we said in the staff report, that there, there are, you know, we'll, and, and staff will be assessing how in light of this we, you know, deal with the, with the presence of guns. For instance, just something very simple. A police officer, you can't carry a gun unless you have a permit. Police officer can ask to see one's permit if, if they're open carrying a gun and they can see the gun um, or they suspect the gun. Um, and, and that's an opportunity to assess the demeanor and determine whether the person is just trying to show off because they can have a gun now or they're really uh, pose a, a real danger. Any other discussion? Hearing none, roll call, please. Taylor? Very reluctantly, yes. Teague? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Weiner? No. Burgess? Yes. Mims? Yes. Salee? No. Motion passes five to two. Can I get a motion to accept correspondence? So moved, Mims. Second, Thomas. Roll call, please. Teague? Yes. Thomas? 
Yes. Feiner? Yes. Fergus? Yes. Sims? Yes. Lee? Yes. Taylor? Yes. Motion passes seven to zero. Item 15, assessment schedule. Resolution adopting an assessment schedule of unpaid mowing, cleanup of property, snow removal, sidewalk repair, and stop box repair charges and directing the clerk to certify the same to the Jones County Treasurer for collection in the same manner as property taxes. Can I get a motion to approve? So moved, well, Fergus. Second, Father. All right. Uh, is there anyone from the public that would like to address this topic? If so, please raise your hand. All right, we have one person. Um, Aziano Kita. Um, and please pronounce your name. You can unmute, we can't hear you. Are you able to, yeah, there you go. I will go back. Okay. Yeah, please announce your name and then take no more than three to five minutes, please. Hello, can everybody hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Hello and good evening, Iowa City Council members. I'm one of those who have a bill related to so-called weed removal from my property located at 1222 4th Avenue, Iowa City, Iowa, which is the, uh, uh, the cough end of 4th Avenue, which is on a dirt road. Last year, I have an issue with one of your city employees named Brian Jensen. And unfortunately, he took the issue personally and started harassing me and intimidating me at my home and my property. Having access a fine for the city, I wouldn't mind paying it if it is a valid fine. But if it is due to a city employee abusing his authority in order to harass and intimidate me, I have serious problem with that. I sent an email to brief you about it. I don't know if any of you had taken a look at the email. Well, this is a serious problem. If you have city employee who think they can harass people because of a personal vendetta between them and somebody else, that, that is an abuse of authority. So that's all I have to say. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else that would like to address this topic? Hearing none. Council discussion. Mayor, just as a reminder for how we we have typically how we've handled these in the past is because staff is not prepared to address at this time all the assessments. What we typically mm -hmm. do is if there is an objection to an assessment, then we remove that one from the list 
and we um, defer that one until the next meeting. And at that time, staff will give you a, um, a presentation on that particular item and you can make an, a decision on that item at that time. Are people, what are people thoughts on deferring the item I think is 122 Fort Street? I move or that we that defer that one. Since we've done it before, I agree. I second. So, okay, Let, hold on a minute. Let's just withdraw the motion that was put on the floor to, for the, the resolution. Okay, so that motion was, um, was by MIMS, I think. You want to withdraw the motion? Sure. It was by Burgess. Okay. So it was by Burgess. Okay. Sorry. I withdraw the motion. Thank you. Okay. Now, now let's let's get a motion um, adopting the uh, resolution with the exclusion of that property, which I don't have written down. I think it's so, one twenty two Fort. Okay. Okay. So we so got a motion. Second, Sally. All right, so I'm going to take Mims moved and seconded by Saleh. All right, council discussion. Hearing none, roll call, please. Thomas? Yes. Weiner? Yes. Fergus? Yes. Mims? Yes. Salee? Yes. Taylor? Yes. Teague. Yes, seven uh, motion passes seven to zero. Did I get a motion to accept correspondence? So moved, Mims. Moved by Mims. Seconded Second. by Thomas. Seconded by Thomas. I'll give him that <laughs> first time tonight. Roll call, please. Weiner. Yes. Fergus? Yes. Sims? Yes. Lee? Yes. Taylor? Yes. Heeg? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Motion passes seven to zero. All so, right. Mayor, I'm, I'm sorry, for the gentleman who was on the phone, if, if he's still listen, listening, I just want to make sure he understands that his item is going to be taken up two weeks from now at the next council meeting. Yes. All right. Thank you for that, Eleanor, and help through that process. Um, and I also wanted to just mention to counselors that I think there is a bit of a delay uh, at times where <laughs> I'm not totally catching when someone is about to say something. So just remind me if I'm going too fast in the future, okay? And I think that's the same go to us when we're talking and talking to each other. I think there's a delay. All right. We're gonna move on to item number 16, 16A, Public Art Advisory Committee. This is two vacancies to fill a three-year term, July 1st, 2020 through June 30th, 2023. Uh, and let's probably discuss this. And there's, um, normally Mayor Pro Tem is next to me and she'll say there's one male and one none. <laughs> 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 a requirement. So I believe we have four female and one male that applied.
I mean, I think Dominique uh, Dungili, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. The male is, is a good qualified one. He's qualified. He's been involved with public space one. So I would support, certainly support him um, for that male position. Um, as I looked at the females, um, I know Tanya Keo, and she's an art teacher and professional artist. But my only concern, um, and I would highly, highly support Tanya, is when I look at the positions, There's, it looks like there's a number of positions on the commission that are for professional artists, and then there's some at large. And it appears that the two that are open are designated as at large and not professional. So I guess I'm not sure how the, how the council feels about appointing another professional to an at-large position or whether we should do that. And why not? I'm asking the question, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know either. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, uh, when you make that point to me, I think um, there could be great value um, from someone ha who has great appreciation for the art, but don't totally, they're not a professional in it. Um, so when I hear that, I, at least that's my walk away. Is there value in um, ensuring that that a large position is not, you know, from that professional? I don't know if we is it would. I don't know if any staff or counselors who've been on longer have insight. I guess my understanding was that the the spots for professional artists was to ensure there's a minimum number of people who are actively engaged in, in making art professionally rather than saying certain spots are for artists and certain spots are for non-artists. But maybe I'm, maybe I'm interpreting it wrong. I think you're probably right, but I'll be honest, Laura, I don't remember for sure. But I, I think that makes more sense that we wanted to make sure we had at least a certain number of professionals involved. I think you're you're right on that, Susan. And 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 like you, when when I looked at at her uh, resume and it said uh, like a master's degree in art, I thought, wow, you know, that's a perfect fit. That's a, that's a good fit. And I I keep looking and I didn't see anywhere that said that so many certain number have to be at large and so many certain number have to be the professional. So uh, I would be in favor of of appointing her if if it's legally okay. That's who I support. Yeah, I just think if it, if there is nothing like legally, uh, like not okay, that's fine. We can just do it. Yeah. If I, don't, not I like... don't have any problem with it. Okay. okay. I agree with um, Dominic and Tanya to appoint to the Public Art Commission. Sorry, yeah, advisory. Tanya. I support the two as well. I do too. All right, so um, I can we get a motion to appoint Dominique and Tanya? So moved, Mims. So moved, so move, Mims. Seconded, Salee. Yes. I think we're all in agreement. So roll call, please. Sorry, Weiner. Yes. Fergus. Yes. Mims? Yes. Billy? Yes. Taylor? Yes. Eve? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Motion passes seven to zero.
Item 17, um, this is announcements of vacancies previous. We have planning and zoning commission, one vacancy to fill an unexpired term upon appointment, June through th June 30th, 2023. Applications must be received by 5 p.m. June, July 28th, 2020. Airport rezoning board of adjustment, one vacancy to fill a five-year term. Historic Preservation Commission, East College Street, one vacancy to fill a three-year term. Historic Preservation Commission, Northside, one vacancy to fill a three-year term. Historic Preservation Commission, Woodlawn, one vacancy to fill an unexpired term. Telecommunications Commission, one vacancy to fill a three-year term. Vacancies will remain open until filled. We are on to item number 18. Um, and this is Ryan, if you would like to address us. Hi, Council. Good evening. Um, not too much to update since our uh, last formal meeting. Um, but one uh, significant uh, development is that uh, the governor signed a medical amnesty into uh, uh, passing it, and um, this has been a project of USG for like five years um, that our team has been going up to the Capitol and working on getting this bill passed uh, through both houses and signed by the governor. So um, for those who aren't familiar, medical amnesty is where um, essentially if an underage uh, person is in trouble uh, related to alcohol, um, they or one other person who is with them are able to call for help um, call for uh, EMS, and neither of them will be charged um, in any way related to um, possessing alcohol um, under the legal age. Um, and so this is because a um, of those people who drink, about 14%, I believe it was, said that they've been in a situation where they needed to call for help, and only like 3 or 4% said that they actually did call for help. Um, and that is because they feared retaliation um, from law enforcement. And so this is, um, we're hoping will encourage students who do need to call for help uh, to be able to do that and not fear, you know, the legal repercussions of that. So we just want to ensure that students are safe. Um, so we'll be launching a, an ad campaign on campus and off campus to inform students of this. Um, and so we hope that it'll help students stay uh, safer uh, if they choose to consume alcohol. But that's uh, a really exciting thing for us that we got that passed, but um, that's about all I have. So thank you. Great. All right. We will go to uh, city council. Um, we will be returning to our work session. So this is just uh, city councilors. If you have any updates that you wanted to give, you can do that at this time. If you wanted to combine any of your boards and commissions um, during this time, you could do that as well. I'll just go ahead then, this is Pauline. Uh, you probably all know we have an MPO Zoom meeting uh, tomorrow at 4.30. Uh, so the council members should have uh, received some uh, details about that. So don't forget about that. Um, let's see here. Oh, and as Councilor uh, Mims mentioned, uh, there was the uh, uh, press conference 
held by the project Better Together. Uh, it, was, it was an excellent press conference, I thought, with health and business leaders uh, uh, made a, a call to action, urging people to wear masks. Uh, and in light of the uh, ups in uh, cases here in, in the county, uh, they encouraged everyone uh, to, to take action uh, uh, to prevent the further spread of the virus. Uh, one person talked about uh, the Mask of Wellness program, which sounds like a really great thing. Uh, it encourages businesses to, to follow safe um, precautions, and, and they, they have a website, which is maskofwellness.com. I'd encourage people to take a look at that. Um, I, I talk all the time about uh, the shop crawls. I love those. You know I love those. Uh, but again, do again to uh, concerns regarding COVID-19, the downtown district summer shop crawl, uh, which was scheduled for July 31st, has been canceled. Uh, the spring event was done virtually, but uh, the summer one is is just plain canceled. So, um, But many of the downtown uh, stores and shops uh, are open. Uh, whether for either just curbside pickup or a limited number of shoppers uh, in the store. So I would encourage everyone to to shop local and, and utilize all the great uh, uh, businesses that we have in the area. Um, so that, that's good. And then um, just one final thought here. Um, one thing that uh, Councillor Thomas and I did, and I believe um, some of the others of you also met with some members of our law enforcement department uh, recently. And I just would like to say that in the almost 50 years that I have lived in Iowa City, there have been a few occasions when I, I have had uh, interactions with members of the Iowa City Police Department for one reason or another, I won't elaborate. Um, but on those, on those occasions, I always found the officers to be very helpful and professional in uh, carrying out their duties. And I can say that, that I've always been proud of the work that our police department has done in our community uh, over the years, working to provide a safe community. And in the past few years, they have done uh, many community outreach activities and worked endlessly to solve major criminal um, investigations. Um, I, of course, I, I recognize that with anything, there's always room for improvement. And I'd like to thank the Iowa Freedom Riders for for offering their thoughts on, on what can be done. And that is certainly a step in the right direction in helping our Iowa City Police Department become even better. But uh, I would like to say to each and every member of our local law enforcement department, um, I, I just want to say with gratitude, thank you for your service. <laughs> That's all. Uh, I would just point out um, with the Access Center, um, you may recall that the new, the name of that is the Guide Link Center. They have uh, put the website live. It is guidelinkcenter.org. Um, so that went live just a few days ago. Um, gives some nice information about the services, uh, when it will open, etc. So I would encourage you to take a look at that. Uh, committees are still working diligently to get um, all the various details worked out before the tentative opening um, in early January. So again, it is guidelinkcenter.org. Anyone else? Um, I'd just like to, to, to point again to the meeting of the 
joint entities that's going to be that's will take place on the 20th the the focus is going to be on covid it seemed it's an opportunity to really get all the various governing organizations in this community together to hear from some people which i know the 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 they they were meeting during the height of the crisis but we as city governments as school board as county governments have not had an opportunity to do that and hear from a number of experts on what what the best way forward is so i encourage everyone um, who can to attend virtually anyone else hearing none i just wanted to um give Elisa official shout out <laughs> to June 19th. Um, we had Juneteenth, uh, which thanks to the city of Iowa City, again, for their sponsorship and a lot of other uh, community members for their sponsorship. Iowa Freedom Riders and Black Voices Project, uh, they came together for Juneteenth. It was an excellent event. Thanks um, everybody that came out to make that a, a very successful and um, event. That same day, uh, Iowa City Pride, they did a car parade, which was fun. I was able to uh, be a part of that earlier that day. And um, it's their 50th year anniversary, which I think now they're calling it their 49th and a half uh, because they hope to be able to do something next year. Um, but yes, wanted to, again, um, give a shout out to Iowa City Pride and for um, all the work that they've done and for all of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, happy Pride or past Pride Month, but still happy 50th year. And then on June 26, um, myself along with Mayor Quentin Hart was a guest on PBS. And uh, we both really appreciated the opportunity to discuss Black Lives Matter um, from our perspectives and related it to things that are happening within our cities. So um, just wanted to mention that tonight as well. If there is nothing else, we will move on to the next item, which would be any updates from our city staff, city manager. No updates tonight, Mayor, thank you. Ashley Monroe. Hello, I will just say very quickly that the census is still taking uh, responses. So uh, some of the on the ground census staff will be training in July and we might expect to see people coming around to homes sometime in August. So uh, there is still time for you to have a contactless response to the census. So my2020census.gov. And then I'll just mention that we've made progress on our climate action plan and uh, the Climate Action Commission met yesterday. There is a recent report on some of the progress that we've made in our actions uh, available on their uh, packet of information from yesterday's meeting. So if anyone is interested, you can go to icgov.org slash climate action and visit the Climate Action Commission uh, agenda. That's it. Thank you, Assistant City Manager. And then Eleanor, our attorney. Nothing from me, thank you. And then Kelly, who works behind the scene, our city clerk. <laughs> Nothing from me. 
Thanks for all your work with the Zoom. I really appreciate it. You bet. If there is nothing else, then can I get a motion to adjourn? Uh, I'm oh. sorry, but did we did the? We will uh, come back to the work session. So we're so going to adjourn. We're going to yeah. adjourn from here, and then we're oh, going to come back okay. Okay. to the work session. Sorry. Second. <laughs> so I believe I heard um, it was by Weiner, and then yep. by Salim. Second. All in favor, say aye. 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 Any opposed? We are adjourned. Aye.